Welcome to Social Distance Warriors, a podcast about the COVID-19 pandemic and other related um, world situations and what it's like to live through, around, and after them. Uh, my name is Tom. I'm not an expert on any of those topics, and the date that we're recording this is April 12th, the day before Homestuck Day in the year 2023. Yeah, and uh, hey, I'm Rat. I'm also not an expert, and I'm just here to talk. Uh, okay, let's talk. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. This is quite a bit of, um, as they say, screen time for me today. My job, which is a school job, had a, a virtual day today due to sometimes in the past they've done it like because COVID cases were really high. We don't do that anymore. This week it was because a hot water pipe burst uh, in the school over spring break and they made the teachers come to school. That's important. And I am a paraprofessional. So I also had to come to school, but they had the kids stay home. Um, so we had a virtual day. Hmm. A virtual day. Yeah. That's... Mm, that's something. It's something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's um, a lot more work than um, having the school be closed, having it be no school. But it's a lot less work than um, having a regular school day, mostly because of a class of like 18 kids, only only six logged on for the virtual day. So that made things mm. easier. I will I will try so hard on this conversation not to do so much about my school job which is a like constantly twisting and changing creature but <laughs> to very briefly give context I don't know what I was doing in January cuz that is when we last recorded but <laughs> My current job situation is I'm still at this elementary school. In the mornings, I've been assigned to work one-on-one -on -one with a five-year-old who is a very sweet girl. I say she also bites and hits me quite a bit. And then in the afternoons, I am kind of like a classroom aide for a kindergarten class. But also I can just show up in the morning for a school day and they can be like, actually, forget all that. Go help out in this random classroom. And I am doing that and finishing out the school year as best I can um, and sort of not planning to come back next year. But by God, I'm going to try and... <laughs> get through this year. Mm. Do you have a particular plan about what next year holds for you? Not particularly. Um, I have sort of like in, in fits and spurts applied for other jobs. And I'm when I'm doing that, I'm not applying for other school jobs. I very much kind of am like, I would love a job that does not demand like a lot of my brain, if that makes sense, um, that does not like reach my full potential. I am craving a job like that, <laughs> though I, you know, don't know if that's what I'll get. This, this is not it. <laughs> mm. Despite there being a lot of things that I like about um, my coworkers and the kids I'm working with, I would like to focus on sort of having my job not be so all-encompassing that it takes up so much of my thought of during at the job and afterward hmm. okay yeah that makes sense yeah so seeing that it has been some time since we last recorded and this is a podcast and a podcast is an audio medium this is true no i, I don't i'm not an expert but i <laughs> <laughs> do you know that's true yeah i don't i don't know how i'm sorry if this is like out of line for me to comment on but your voice sounds different from the last time i spoke to you is that true? Is that real? Is that true? Well, I don't notice that because I live with my voice um, all the time, but I will happily take you remarking on it. Since January, I have 
been for about seven weeks. Been taking, having restarted HRT, and one of the effects of that can be lowered voice, but I, I have not noticed. It is not radically different. It is, it's <laughs> not unrecognizable, but it's about as different as, you know, I mean, my voice sounds different when I have a cold from when I don't have a cold. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of that kind of difference. It's like a, a notable difference, but I just thought I'd, I, I'd mention it because I wanted to know if you were aware of that, but it sounds like you aren't. <laughs> I am not. I am not. Um, because also a, like a couple weeks ago, I did have a very bad like stomach bug slash cold. Thank you for the children who I work with for this, <laughs> but I do not. I am in as good a health as I ever am. So that's that's some nice feedback. Thank you. <laughs> that's good. Do you do you like that your voice is different? Um. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. Like I've not had a, a lot of like phone calls with like people who are not friends and family. Basically, like when I'm on the phone a lot of the time and thinking about my voice, it is like you know doctors or customer service people who are just misgendering me. So I you know would love would love a voice <laughs> <laughs> that would minimize that. But yeah, um, that was something I knew would be um, coming for restarting HRT is also one of the reasons that I had joined a choir because I was like, well, maybe it's good to think about how I'm using my voice currently so that I can also think about using my voice if and when it it changes. Hmm, Cool. (laughs) Yeah. That is neat. I don't know. I I think it's valuable to reflect on how one is changing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I've changed in the past. I I was, yeah, I I can't, I guess I can't bounce that question back at you. Hmm. But but perhaps, I don't know, I, I looked to help before this recording session. I was like, all right, let me look at, surely I can get a sense of what we talked about last time by looking at the action items um, and not to not to skip around here. But I, I looked at my notes from last time and, and our action items were this action item intentionally left blank. So I have no idea <laughs> what was going on the last time we recorded because whatever we were in a place where um, we didn't <laughs> didn't want to put anything uh, concrete down for for an action item. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, in that time, if you have a better grasp of like who that Tom was, or even longer span of just since we last recorded, uh, how how you have seen yourself sort of like grow and anamorph and morph <laughs> and change uh, <laughs> that you that you have uh, things to say about. I don't know. I don't know that I've experienced that much uh, change. I mean, I do think my beard looks different from the way it looked before. I don't know. I feel I feel like my beard looks a little bit more established than, than okay. it used to, which is interesting because I, I just was at a family function for the Easter holiday and an aunt said, how long have you had that beard? And I'm like, well, I first started growing a beard in the first four or five months of the pandemic. And you've seen me many times since then. And she was like, oh, but it looks different. So, I th- and I was looking at the mirror and like, you know what? I think it does. I think it looks a little bit more like an existent beard, like a, like an established extant beard of a person with a beard rather than just a person who's trying out a beard. So Yeah, like part of your sort of like um, cartoon, if you're a cartoon character, like the outfit or like uh, appearance that you're your model it's part of your your model right right it's not just like a, it's not just like a separate layer that's been drawn on over it um yeah that's so so, so i guess there's that but other than that i think i'm i'm, I'm mostly the same and I, I don't um you know i was thinking about that i was thinking about how i feel like i as a person i don't think i've changed all that much in the past few years and i don't know if that's a good thing but i was i was thinking back on like how much i feel like i changed over the course of you know, childhood and adolescence and then into adulthood. And then I, I feel like, you know, right now I'm 34 years old and I feel like I've been 
roughly this person since I was about 26. I feel like that's when I kind of settled into place and became the person that I am. And like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's when my personality was like set in stone. And then I just became that person. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's how I feel. Yeah. And as much as anything, that is your current, like, sort of uh, narrative for yourself. Uh, that is how you currently see yourself. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's uh, set in stone. That's like a nice sort of stable foundation to have, I think, especially as sort of as you... Um, you alluded to at the start of the episode, but it's also true every single day. But like, hey, the world, <laughs> not very set in stone. Um, many, many things sort of chaotic and uh, chaotic. Again, I say it again. Um, and sort of like systems changing and being scary and changing. I, I'm repeating myself a lot, but it's true. Speaking of the state of the world, the COVID-19 pandemic is not officially over but i believe that as of this week the united states of america the country where both of us live has declared that the national emergency to respond to the covid pandemic is over yeah so we are no longer in a state of emergency yeah which is kind of a like <laughs> you can do the pandemic but do it on your own time kind <laughs> of a <laughs> hey that's if if you want to be experiencing uh, an ongoing pandemic, you do you. But we, the, <laughs> the government, um, we're done. We're tired of it. Yeah, I, I kind of, um, I don't know whether I'd even disagree that the emergency is over. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're no longer in a state of emergency and now a state of just the world being bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is different, I think. I think we've, we, I, th I think the world is just not a great place. Um, but that's a little bit different from being in a state of emergency. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Um, some of the things that I noticed, like, for example, with like schools not having, we're off, but having like flexible days or virtual instruction or other things as being kind of like, I don't know how else to refer to them as uh, other than like they're like vestigial. I, I don't know how much of um, the things I'm noticing are like things that were initially because of the COVID pandemic and are kind of remaining, but not necessarily like for any good reason, but just because that's that's how we are now doing things. For example, still a number of the water fountains at the school are taped over because of that, again, like initial, how does COVID transfer and spread? A lot of emphasis on like, well, our surfaces, how does it sanitize surfaces? Yeah. So water fountains being taped over. All of the children in pre-K have a now like daily ritual before they go get their meal or snack. They'll be like at their carpet for like circle time. And then the pre-K teacher has this gigantic bottle of hand sanitizer and each of the kids comes up and like gets a squirt of hand sanitizer and then they go and have their snack. Like <laughs> I... Notice also that like no one but me or like weirdos are, are wearing masks at my school. But the exception to that is if someone is feeling sick or has been out recently because they were sick for anything, COVID or anything, they will wear a mask for at least a day or two after or before. And it's like, it's not, you know, it's, something. It, it's not, it's not a response. It's not a like, oh, here's a precaution or here's what we are doing. Again, it feels like this is a remnant and maybe a like shift of what you do when you're sick. Yeah, I will still wear masks on transit, but that's pretty much it. That's, that's really the only time I, I tend to wear a mask 
on days when I go into the office, my job puts me into a lot less close contact than yours does for you. Mm-hmm. So for me, a, a mask doesn't feel like a, a necessity in, in the office. I don't know. It, feel, it feels to me like um, mask usage has kind of leveled off in my area in the sense that like it decreased down to like on the train on any given day only about 5% of people are wearing masks and it's kind of stuck there. Like it didn't, it didn't dwindle down to four or three, two, one. Like it just kind of stuck it around. Okay. 5%. Maybe, maybe that's just the new, like every, every, everywhere we go, it'll just be 5% of people wearing masks um, in, in the future. Yeah. I guess, I don't know like how you feel about that, but for me, a shift in like my own perception, maybe it's just time or being tired. I previously got kind of like upset <laughs> at the way that there wasn't like this commitment or cultural shift to like we wear masks in public spaces or we wear masks while there's still like high high cases or like a pandemic happening. One of the videos that was played in the kindergarten class was a like little like National Geographic about rats. And one of the like facts of like oh, rats can do all these things. They can, like, hold their breath for this long. They do this, this, and that. They have amazing noses. Was um, Rats um, take care of each other when they're sick. And I was at a place during that day at uh, school when I watched that video that it, it had a deep emotional impact on me. <laughs> so, so, so when I, like, think about people taking care to in kind of like no other circumstance not enough but like oh you know they are caring that they are have been sick they don't want to get other people sick and are taking care to like wear a mask I like connect those things as like oh sometimes people want to take care of each other and see it as as more of a like if things were different if there was more of a like from the government from different institutions from wherever there might be easily people could make those changes again Mm. but this is like just intrinsically or you know like oh rats take care of each other when they are sick oh people wear masks uh, at an elementary school after they've been sick Mm. Is that like cheesy, <laughs> like a, a feel good sort of like desperately grasping for something to hold on to? What What do you feel? No, that that uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't strike me as uh, in any way like objectionable. <laughs> like, is it cheesy or not? I don't I don't feel like I care to weigh in on whether something is cheesy or not because I don't really okay. care about cheesiness. Okay. No, you need to tell me if it's morally um, cheesiness <laughs> is morally. Um, <laughs> A crime. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I feel like is it crime? I feel like is it cheesy is a question that I have no good. I never have any good answer to because Mm -hmm. I never know if a thing is cheesy. I never know or care if a thing is cheesy. So Mm -hmm. you're also yeah. I I recall maybe this was the last time we recorded. You're also not big on uh, validating when I say I'm doing weird things. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. I don't know. Uh, That's another one. Weird. Weird is like (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It's 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 hard. It's hard for me to know what that means. Like weird, weird in what context? I think you are correct. Like th- those are words that like are useful, but they don't. When you kind of pin them down, they don't really have like great concrete objective <laughs> measures. Yeah, and that's what I need. I need I need concrete objective measures. I need criteria. I need you know I need like degrees of statistical significance. I need I need all that stuff. <laughs> anyway, so one thing that happened in the time since we last recorded is I went to the Gallifrey One convention nice. in Los Angeles, and people there were pretty good about 
masks indoors because they had to be. It was it was required that you wear a mask in all convention spaces, which was which was good. They were not required in the like hotel lobby spaces, so people were less good about that, but still, you know, fairly good mask rate. So yeah. I did hear I did have some friends who got sick after the convention, but I did not. So are you able again to give a little more of like your like the significance of attending Gallifrey One this pat this year? Yeah. Okay. So Gallifrey One, I think this is like my fifth time going or fourth. I it's hard for me to remember, but um, so it happens every February, which means that I went to it in February of 2020, not terribly long before the COVID-19 pandemic was declared. It didn't happen in 2021. It did happen in 2022, but attendance was lower. A lot of people didn't go. I didn't go. Um, so the 2023 convention was my first time back in you know three years so it it was um my, my thoughts going into it were a little bit muddled and confused because mm. i have not really liked doctor who the television show as much as i used to the more recent episodes have not been as much to my liking and so uh i have been less enthusiastic about the show and about talking about the show with other people you know so because of that going to the convention was kind of like for me i don't remember whether we discussed this before the convention or not but i was thinking of it as kind of like a test like okay this is where i find out if this is something i really care about anymore or whether maybe this is this will be my light time where i go there have a nice time and say all right you know i just can't bring myself to care about this so uh so now i know this is not for me anymore and it, it turned out that it is for me like i i i felt very good about being there <laughs> I felt a little bit in disbelief that I had been without it for so long. And I uh, I also went to Disneyland uh, while I was in California, which was very fun. And yeah, overall, I just had a had a wonderful time, hung out with a lot of cool people. I met Chris Chibnall, the showrunner of Doctor Who, the seasons I just said I disliked. <laughs> but I don't <laughs> yeah. dislike him. He's he's great. I, I like that guy a lot. He was having a very good time. He was very social. He was hanging out with people in the in the bars afterwards. He was very much there, like... Some guests, you know, they they go to their panels and then they kind of get escorted by their handler back to their hotel room and they don't like mingle and that's most most of the guests. But he was very much I, – I went to Disneyland the day before the convention and so I missed the uh, ice cream social mm. that they have the night before the convention. But I got back late and I figured, oh, maybe I'll just pop down and see who's hanging out downstairs in the ice cream social. And I, you know, I popped downstairs and I saw my friends, Stephen and Warren, and they were talking to someone I didn't recognize. I was like, oh, hey, Stephen. Hey, Warren. And they're like, oh, hey, Tom, have you met Chris? And then I look, oh, it's Chris Chibnall. And I was like, oh, hi, good to meet you. And he said, oh, hi. And then Stephen was like, hey, did you know Chris Chibnall hasn't been to a Doctor Who convention since 1988? And I thought, but did not say, huh, that's the year I was born. <laughs> anyway, it was a very good time. And I, I am very glad I went and I fully intend to go again next year. In fact, tickets just went on sale this past week and I already bought my ticket. Nice, nice. It is nice to hear that, um, I guess, you continue to be set in stone in exactly the same way with regards to Doctor Who. Mm. And your relationship to the show has not morphed or changed in any way. Well, I don't know that it hasn't changed. I think it has changed, but <laughs> it's still it's still an important thing to me. Yeah, no, I and especially, I, I don't know if this is the case for you outside of like uh, Doctor Who conventions, but to me, uh, it, it is always a powerful thing to hear like i hear ice cream social and to me <laughs> those are like duck and cover kind of uh events like why would i put myself in that situation <laughs> 
so that that it is seemingly not you you feel uh comfortable and confident in going to and even enjoyed going to uh that event that that sounds like a good <laughs> a good thing well i did i didn't actually make it to the ice cream social yeah i was just at the hotel and after the ice cream social people were just like milling around in the convention spaces okay and i think there was karaoke going on at some place like the the official convention starts on the friday morning but on thursday night there's like social stuff for people um and all throughout the weekend there is what's referred to as lobby con which is the um the sort of social scene of hanging out in the hotel lobby spaces before during and after the convention which kind of gets started like two or three days before the convention and extends two or three days after the convention where you just kind of hang out in the hotel with other other people so in so, in some senses, it's like there's no strict separation between the two things, the the con, con itself and the lobby con. So I was just kind of drifting through the, the convention spaces, and I went down to the room where the ice cream social had been. Nice, nice. Thank you for uh, <laughs> talking me through. I, I, I heard ice cream social, and it just kind of like clouded my mind for the rest of the <laughs> words you were saying. Mm. I don't typically – I don't think I usually do the ice cream social because usually by that point, I am hanging out with friends in the often in the hotel lobby, like near or at the bar or anyhow. Yeah. So that, that happened. Um, I will also say happy Passover uh, as it is technically still the Jewish holiday of Passover. Happy for, Passover. For me. I feel like everything I know about Passover, I learned from Rugrats. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I feel like that was true for a lot of the people I knew in my childhood at the Catholic school that I went to. Yeah, that would probably be the case. Um, well, no, I don't know what the like kids, what, <laughs> how kids are learning, Christian kids or culturally Christian kids are learning about um, Judaism through TV shows these days. But that that would be the case for um, probably most of the kids I work with. Mm, yeah, I um considered but did not have the energy to do what I did while I was there for Hanukkah which is like all right I'm gonna <laughs> do do a little bit I'm gonna bring in latkes I'm gonna talk about Jewish holidays and <laughs> Shabbat and Hanukkah and give this third grade class like <laughs> something to latch on to when they later go through life and uh hear about people who celebrate Hanukkah I did not do I did not do this for Passover because I was kind of tired this year, so I did not do a lot for Passover. But do you know what I'm excited for? Uh, what are you excited for? <laughs> the coming holiday of um, it's it's musical time in the school district that I work for, um, and the musical they are doing is Susical. So it is now the season of Susical when I make all my small talk uh, <laughs> at my job about this topic and nothing else, um, and and it will see me through the end of um, the end of April. Cool. That that sounds. <laughs> Rewarding. I don't really know Susical, so you don't know Susical. No, it's got it's got some um, fun costumes, some kind of like uh, quippy songs. As a plot, it's fine. It's just a mishmash of a lot of Doctor Seuss characters and plots that kind of they've kind of what is the thing Marvel is always doing like where they jam a lot of superheroes together. It's like that. Like a crossover? Yeah, it's like that, but for Dr. Seuss. Oh, oh, okay. So speaking of crossovers. Yes. My understanding is that you have been undertaking a very long research project in order to uncover the secret truths of why in the video game Kingdom Hearts, Mickey Mouse is not wearing a shirt. And you told me via text message <laughs> that you have discovered the truth. And I'd like to know if you're willing to share what the truth is. 
Tom, I'm so glad you I'm so glad you brought this <laughs> to the podcast because uh, yes, this lets me um, talk about a game that I did not expect to be like a, a standout memorable game in the Kingdom Hearts franchise. But the game that oh, but before we get into that, actually, can I tell you what I know? Okay, 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 okay. Tell me what you know. I have played Kingdom Hearts. I have played Chain of Memories, specifically Rechain of Memories, the 3D model version for PlayStation 3, 4, whatever. Mm-hmm. I have played Kingdom Hearts 2, and I have played 358 over two days. Uh, and so I know the things that are in those games, and I haven't played any of the games after that. So I know that at the end of Kingdom Hearts, when Mickey shows up, he is in his sort of more iconic Disney design, which doesn't feature him wearing a shirt. However, in other games in the Kingdom Hearts franchise... Mickey has a complete costume, much like Donald and Goofy, that kind of brings him more into the world of of Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. So it was, for, for, for some time, a great mystery in the chronology of the series, why Mickey, on that one particular day in which he shows up for a brief cameo appearance in the first Kingdom Hearts game, why was he not wearing a shirt that one time? And I know that this is a big point of contention, and I knew that there was a canonical answer, but I didn't know what it was. So okay. that is where... I hand it off to you to answer these questions. Yeah, the game that gives that answer that fans have been crying out for for however many years (laughs) is called Kingdom Hearts, Birth by Sleep, A Fragmentary Passage, Point Zero Two. (laughs) I think that's all the bits. I think that's all the bits. It's this very, very um, short... I don't exactly know the origins of this game, but kind of is chronologically slotted after Kingdom Hearts Recoded and before Kingdom Hearts 3 and is one of the characters I, I'll, I'll if you care about spoilers I am continuing to talk I have heard many character names I think that's yeah that's the game that starts Aqua am I right yeah Aqua who is in the dark world and is going through defeating Heartless also sort of haunted by ghosts of her friends and also interestingly like um kind of haunted by like a voice of herself that plagues her with self-doubt also also and here and here's where we're getting closer to the mickey mouse shirt situation it is pretty much the only kingdom hearts game for girl like you play as girl (laughs) And one thing they did and have not, and I I hate that they did not continue this in Kingdom Hearts 3 because the play style for um, A Fragmentary Passage is in many ways, it's like kind of like a preview of like, ooh, here's kind of how the play style for Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to look like. Mm. Aqua gets a little like dress up game kind of wardrobe you can you can change your outfit like aqua sort of like sets herself little like tasks of like oh if you like defeat 15 heartless while jumping up in the air you unlock cat ears (laughs) if you you know do these certain conditions or you can like dye the outfit a different color and you can only do this for aqua you do at a certain point in the game team up with um, everyone's favorite corporate mouse, Michael Mouse. And I hate that they don't let you also do a wardrobe game with Mickey Mouse. But during that team up, you're sort of intersecting with the events of Kingdom Hearts 1. And you do see the moments before Mickey's appearance in Kingdom Hearts 1. There were sort of like, I call them like, 
unionized Heartless because one thing in a fragmentary passage that they also introduce is like, oh, it's it's Heartless. They're just little guys. But what if like you were fighting like 50 of them and they were all stacked on top of each other and made a kind of like big... <laughs> big pillar um like a rat king like a like a rat king but i don't know more <laughs> as opposed to a mouse king which is yeah, what Mickey yeah, is. yeah. <laughs> uh swirl of heartless do sort of like disintegrate <laughs> mickey's shirt and and that is moments <laughs> before moments before like you so clearly see that they so lovingly like carefully animate that and then show like the rest of the the scene as in Kingdom Hearts 1, um, so that you know, uh, and there is no doubt that it is not like in, in a come across as like a siren call or like fit of insanity <laughs> that like Mickey just lost his mind um, and lost his shirt. No, <laughs> this was something that was taken from him. <laughs> And um, I, I think it's very silly that they did that, but for that and a number of reasons, this game really is like one that I like, I don't know, I, I think a lot about <laughs> and is like up there with my favorite games in the Kingdom Hearts series being like Chain of Memories through 5 over two days and now also a fragmentary passage. <laughs> Well, that is that is nice. I haven't played that one. I, I suppose that's something to look forward to. Uh, <laughs> um, the dedication to explaining... Now, I imagine, like, the, the real-world reason is just because that is Mickey's default character design. Sure. To not have a shirt. But the, the fact that they felt like they had to explain that is is something somewhat unhinged that I really appreciate. Yeah, and it's sort of, again, like, Kingdom Hearts 3, which um, I'll explain what I think it says about Kingdom Hearts 3, and then I'll tell you the wild way I am experiencing Kingdom Hearts 3. But in that game, it is sort of, like, criticized by fans for being, like, Kingdom Hearts 3 is, like, so many cutscenes. It almost being like, oh, are you even playing? You're kind of, like, sitting and watching a movie, even more so than for Kingdom Hearts 2 or for the other um, bigger budget games. And in those cutscenes, a lot of the time is spent painstakingly. Sometimes it's, like, as if, like, oh, maybe this is, like, as if it's your very first Kingdom Hearts game and you need, like, over-explanation for, like, how things work. And sometimes it is, like, we're going to explain and tie up loose ends that no one was really asking about, <laughs> but they, like, painstakingly take the time, as with, like, Mickey Mouse's shirt, to, like, <laughs> tell you and connect characters and, and chronologies to completely close a circle <laughs> of the story. That sort of, like, is something that begins, I think, in, in earnest in um, the full-length Birth by Sleep game, but, like, starts getting kicked into overdrive in um, A Fragmentary Passage and then Kingdom Hearts 3, mm. um, for better or for worse. I kind of respect the hustle. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, well, you have to make this all make sense, even though, it, like, a lot of it seems to operate on, on a sort of dream logic or w weird abstract stuff that or, or, or things that happen just for cool imagery's sake but nevertheless they feel the need to just justify everything that's that's cool i do feel we are getting close to the like end of this recording but will you let me explain the <laughs> way i am experiencing kingdom hearts 3 please do that? please do okay have you heard of cloud-based gaming oh no not cloud from final fantasy but um the cloud i've heard that the cloud versions of kingdom hearts games are not very good it's not very good <laughs> i think cloud-based gaming is generally not considered to be as good as as gaming where the game is actually running on the machine that you own yes so this is the only way i've experienced kingdom hearts 3 i believe it was originally for a playstation but my good friend who is like the player for most of the kingdom 
Kingdom Hearts games, because the way I experience most of the Kingdom Hearts games is by sitting in a room while uh, my friend plays them, and then I just sort of backseat commentary. My good friend plays also a video game called Final Fantasy XIV. Mm. And that takes up so much space on their computer that they cannot also download Kingdom Hearts 3 <laughs> and simply and understandably will not uninstall a game Final Fantasy 14 that is like an important part of their like social and daily life simply so I can experience better quality Kingdom Hearts 3. But they do own a Nintendo Switch. Oh. And for an abs- first of all, for an absurd amount of money, the Nintendo store is like, oh, did you want Kingdom Hearts 3 for $60? And the answer is no. Um, but then the Nintendo store is like, well, did you want Kingdom Hearts 3 for a really good sale price? And the answer is, unfortunately... Yes. For the cost of whatever you're willing to pay the Nintendo store, based on their whims, you get access to a a game that does not need, has no reason to be like connected to the cloud, but that is the only way you can play it. So one thing we run into with decent Wi-Fi is that like there will often be a pop-up of like, you know, we're reducing poor connection, we're reducing the game quality even more. We've not yet had the game like crash on us, but that can happen. And that is not unusual for people doing cloud-based gaming, but especially for like a game as like big and highly cutscene based, Mm. there's like no reason and it's a lesser experience than to simply be like, you know, download this game in individual parts or, you know, God forbid, like, oh, here's a physical cartridge or CD to like experience this in a computer or you know some other gaming device it's um the way I am experiencing Kingdom Hearts 3 but it, it is something that gives I, I will say loading times it gives like quite a bit of time for me to like make my own fun and mm. for um <laughs> Lenny and Madison and I to make our own fun <laughs> while we are uh you know waiting for screens to load well you have my condolences <laughs> I know, like, the issue is that the Nintendo Switch is not a very powerful game console, so games that are made for other consoles are not going to run on the on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. So, I mean, the only way it can run it is to connect to another computer somewhere else that is powerful enough to do it, but the connection is not always good. Yeah. I have been playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which is a video game that I attempted to do a stream of and then attempted to do a Let's Play of, but then I was really enjoying doing the Let's Play, but I felt like so... I don't know, burdened by the need to work on another project Mm -hmm. that I just stopped playing it for many months at a time. And I decided to give up on the notion of ever completing that Let's Play, which is a little sad. But like I told myself that I wasn't going to buy any other Nintendo Switch games until I finished Xenoblade Chronicles 3. So there are several major Switch releases that I would have been interested in that have just passed me by entirely. Like I missed the new Pokemon game. I missed the new Fire Emblem game. But there is a new Zelda game coming out next month. And I absolutely must finish Xenoblade Chronicles 3 before the new Zelda game comes out. So I've been doing that. Well, nice. I'm glad like you you are continuing to play the game. Uh, yes, this, this is a game that actually reminds me quite a bit of you. The game? Like specific characters or? <laughs> yes. Well, yes, because the game. The concept of Xenoblade. The game Xenoblade Chronicles 3 prominently features Noah and Mio who are offseers, which is like a funeral ritual yes, kind yes. of thing that they do in that world where they supposedly shepherd off the spirits of the dead into nothingness by playing their little flutes. Uh, and I know that this is something that is related to stuff that we have talked about on this podcast about your participation in local community morning rituals. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um local uh, Jewish burial society. Yes, yes. Anyway, yeah, just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I I don't know if that came up before, but yeah, um, I be, because I was watching uh, while you were doing the let's plays um, and and streams of the game, I do have like that contact. So yeah, it is probably a game that I will, if not ever play, probably you know watch watch someone finish. And I think it is nice, even if you you know if if you do not uh, finish the let's play, to you know like trick people into developing <laughs> uh interest in the game and st- story and characters yeah that's that's my trick that's my yeah <laughs> that's my scam <laughs> that i'm learning trick uh, clever trick and scam yes um anyway so our action item our last action item was not an action item we had this action item intentionally left blank was our action item uh so i did you do it <laughs> uh unfortunately no i did quite a lot of tasks and took quite a few actions so that's a no from rat okay well yeah i think i think that's mostly the same for me i've been i've been up to things i've been doing stuff so do you have an action item you'd like to share for this time yeah my action item for this time is to make a playlist for when you have a bad day at work that's a good one okay i will do that and my action item is to eat one of your favorite foods in a new way like as a recipe and another ingredient or like a different recipe than the one you usually do. So yeah, that is my action item. Okay. What are the things that we do at the end of the show? Well, I think there is now a Mastodon account for Social Distance Warriors, the podcast as a podcast and not just um, like your sort of uh, personal one, but posting uh, links to the podcast. Is that true? Is that real? That is true. It is real. Do you remember the <laughs> handle for it? Yes, it is at SDW at labyrinth.social. Nice. I know that's one way we end every episode, every single episode. Yes, we also used to do Twitter, but we're not doing that anymore. In fact, I think I'm thinking of deleting that account. Would you be okay with that if I deleted that account? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't think that Twitter should um, be carried for eternity okay um the other way we end every episode and we do it every episode and we do it by staying distant and we go the distance